everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. Hello, everybody. This is such an amazing episode. I am so happy you guys are here to listen to it. This is episode 109 of the Hotter Than Health podcast, and we're just going up from here. Um, Today's episode, we are covering so many sensitive topics. We are covering questions that we got about body dysmorphia. We talked about the side effects and um, potential downfalls of counting macronutrients. We talked about diet culture. We talked about reframing how we think about food and our relationship with food. Um, We also start off the podcast by really diving into Kate's story. So Kate is a friend of mine who I worked in the fitness industry with for a few years. Really, really amazing, genuine soul. And she has used her story her trials, her, uh, the things that her obstacles and everything that she's overcome, she has used that to really fuel her desire to help others in the health and wellness world. She is a health and wellness coach. She is currently about to graduate from IIN, Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Super proud of her. So definitely show her some love. Her Instagram is Kate, not Kate starts with a K, last Kate with a C. I will plug all of this in the show notes, but before we get into today's episode, I wanted to mention a couple of things. I know that this is a sensitive topic for a few people who may be listening. It may be a sensitive topic and you didn't even know it was going to be a sensitive topic, but if you know that in the past you have been really impacted negatively by hearing other people's stories. Maybe you're in the middle of a healing journey yourself, or maybe you are, um, maybe you just have found that in the past you don't find yourself a fan of hearing about body image and things like that. Maybe there's something you're still getting over, getting through, trying to understand about yourself, but Either way, this story is very deep, it's very emotional, it's very personal, and we really get into specifics. We get into a near-death experience that Kate had, we get into um, all the way into how she became hospitalized. It was a very intense story, and that's what we want here is I want people to be able to think of the Hotter Than Health podcast as a resource, not just for nutrition and diet and fitness and gut health, but for the way we think about wellness as a whole. And I think this is a really good opportunity to deep dive into a space that we can that we can come to not just about fitness, diet, nutrition, and all those tactical, tangible tips. Try saying that 10 times fast. But um, I also think my computer just shut off for a second. A second ago so if it sounds weird for a sec that's why this is an old as hell computer and I'm currently working off of two different computers one is hella old one is hella new and the only one that works with GarageBand is the hella old one so 
bear the fuck with me. We are, I, I really just want Hotter Than Health to be a space where people can come for resources and to hear people's in-depth stories. And I feel like the deeper these stories go, the more we can really submerse ourselves with the feelings of the person who's telling the story. We may not be able to relate perfectly, but we've all gone through things no matter if our stories have really high highs and really low lows. Maybe maybe you have been lucky enough to not have to overcome some insane trauma and that is okay just because someone goes through something that you can't specifically relate to doesn't mean that it's not a story that you can glean some hope inspiration knowledge wisdom or really just empathy for I think this is a really great episode for anyone who is um, interested in the wellness community especially maybe you are just touching the fact that you are interested in revamping your life, introducing more nutrition, wellness, fitness, meditation, whatever it may be, mindfulness. Maybe you're just introducing all these things. Maybe this is one of the first podcasts you've ever listened to where you realize that this is so important. And if so, really take a second to understand the world that we live in right now. We are surrounded by social media whether you're a millennial, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y, baby boomer, whatever you are, we have experienced in the past 20 years, 10 years, every single day there's a shift moving forward, focusing on social media, focusing on comparison, and whether or not we have the intention of comparing others or our stories to another, it happens. So I think that this goes really well with the period that we're in. We're A lot of people are still in complete lockdown. They are spending more time at home. Stress is becoming at an all-time high and maybe eating patterns are different. Maybe we are unable to give ourselves grace right now if we've put on a couple of pounds. Who gives a shit? Maybe you missed a workout for a week in a row. There's always the opportunity to glean some inspiration so that you can give one ounce more the next day. It, you don't always have to have really high highs and really low lows to live a balanced lifestyle. It can be little things every single day. It doesn't always have to be a huge, crazy workout. It doesn't always have to be plant-based. You don't have to put yourself in a box. Um, and and I'm really excited for you guys to hear Kate's story. All right. So before we get in to Kate's story and some of the questions that I got via Instagram, um. I wanted to also say a giant thank you right now. And this is not written down. This is just from my heart, from my gut. This podcast, y'all know that I've had it for over three years. And I was so close to quitting. I was like, what the fuck? I've been doing this for two years, having a tough time monetizing it. Cause, and I know that money is not the end goal. The goal is to share this information as with as many people as possible. But in order to do that, in order to do that, it takes so much time, so much energy. It's not just recording. It's reaching out to people. It's scheduling. It's editing. It's just me here. And I was getting to a point where I was so close to giving up. But recently, the podcast, in the past couple of months, I have just felt this shift. And I know it has so much to do with our amazing guests. It has to do with people reposting. And so what I want to do is 
you know, I'm, I'm trying different ways to get more reviews on iTunes. And I know that that sounds trivial to some of you guys, but when I started my podcast, the podcast network was not as saturated as it is now. Everyone and their fucking dog walker has a podcast now. And that's great. It's not saying that it's too saturated, but so many people that have massive followings now create podcasts and it kind of drowns out the little guys and I'm still like a small local business type feel and a lot of these other podcasts are kind of like the Amazon, the Walmart, the big deals and reviews are one of the most impactful ways to grow a podcast and if you're thinking oh she's going to talk about reviews again, I am because it's really important and it is one of those things that I don't want to be pushy about, but I have to be honest with y'all. It is one of the greatest ways to support the podcast, if not the greatest way. So if y'all could hop onto iTunes, write a one sentence review, hey, love the podcast. That's all it has to be or a thumbs up. And it's so incredibly impactful. And I read every single one. I really want to pick one person or even two every single month to give a free monthly meal plan to and that's the monthly subscription I'll comp it for you but I'm gonna go in at the end of every month starting March 1st from this episode on so every month choosing one or two people to gift a meal guide to so it's a one month meal plan every single month It's um, balanced to your macros, which you don't have to track. They're just balanced recipes is all it is. Um, You've got healthy fats. You've got essential amino acids. You've got lots of different fiber sources. You have so many different things in these meal plans, recipes, everything that you would need, grocery list is all planned out for you. And it's just a nice reference guide if you are interested in eating healthier, but you haven't quite figured out how to do that. You don't know what recipes to cook. You're not good at getting creative and that's okay. Maybe you're just busy, but really want to do that. Please go ahead, hop onto iTunes, write a review. All you have to do is click on my podcast on iTunes, scroll all the way down until you see other reviews written by other people. You see the ratings and stuff and you just click write review or add rating or something like that. So please, please, please. It's more than just the rating. It's the physical words, it's the review, it's your time and it means so much. So if you've gleaned anything from the podcast, I really would appreciate the reviews. Oh my God hate doing that, but it's so necessary, y'all. You have no idea. Um, Anyways, before we get into today's podcast, you know that I have to talk about Aura Organics. Everyone asks all the time on Instagram or on Instagram because that's all the, the only fucking place I am. And I always talk about either what protein I'm taking, what probiotics I'm taking, what supplements, and it always boils down to Aura Organics. They are heavy metal tested. They are an incredible plant-based supplement company, and they have really, really, really ramped up their offers. They used to more just be a protein and pre-workout type of business, but as they've grown, they started with um, a greens powder. They started with a pre-workout. They started with probiotics digestive enzymes and all of these things are things that I talk about and we have grown so much organically together. I am obsessed with Aura Organics. Right now I'm staring at a bottle of the chocolate protein. It's so good. It's a game changer. It's super low carb if you're going for that, but otherwise it really just has super high quality ingredients and if you are working out a little bit more, 
then this is the product for you. I really like the vanilla and the chocolate protein powder. Um, if you're interested in a pre-workout and you already take a pre-workout, then I highly recommend switching to the beet pre-workout that they have on their website. I'm obsessed with it. I take their probiotics every single day. It's really helped me with, uh, y'all know what I have talked about, like yeast infections, UTIs, all that dirty shit. And I'm telling you, haven't had one since I started taking probiotics. Super, super pleased with them. And they they just do a great job. They are so responsive and so quick and so fantastic and clean and the branding is bomb and I just love them. So if you want to check it out, if you want their lean, clean protein, if you want the probiotics or the digestive enzymes for when you're going out to eat, then I definitely recommend using the code ELIZAG15 for 15% off at checkout. Again, that's ELIZAG15 at AuraOrganics.com. I'm just definitely going to make sure I post this in the show notes right here, right now. But without further ado, let's get into today's podcast episode with Kate, not Kate, with Kate Henley. And so for everyone who's listening, I definitely want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and let everyone know um, a little bit about your backstory. And so you know, if you're just now listening to Hotter Than Health, if it's your first episode here, this is this is a conversation between two people in the health industry and going off of your history, your story, how you've healed, you've grown, and what brought you to this passion of um, helping others with their lifestyles. So you guys, we have Kate Henley on the podcast today. If you follow her on Instagram, it's Kate, not Kate, easy to find, sweetest <laughs> ever. We met through a job at the fitness in, in the fitness industry at a fitness studio in Charleston. We can definitely talk about that too, but, um, I'm going to let Kate just, how did you become so involved in the fitness and wellness industry? Tell us your story. Let us know how you grew up. Give us everything. Amazing. Well, first I want to say thank you, Eliza. Like you said, meeting you in the fitness industry and getting to know you as a coach, first and foremost, before I got to know you as a friend and a coworker and to watch you grow and this podcast grow and all the incredible conversations and steps you're taking towards changing the language for health and wellness is incredible. Um, and so to now be on this side of it and be a part of it is truly just beyond words and it's like pinch myself in my dreaming kind of thing um but I am just so grateful to you and to be here and to share this story and even if it just touches you know one person or the friend of a person whatever like that, that's the reason we have our stories um and we share them and we grow from them and we help others through them so hopefully somebody finds that here today um in this important conversation but mm-hmm. believe it or not I am a Charleston native so born and mostly raised here and close by in Charlotte, uh, West Ashley, what up? But I have been, gosh, I feel like all over the place and back before I even landed in what I'm doing now. And my growing up was, my parents met at College of Charleston and my dad went to MUSC and they were divorced by the time I was in first and second grade. So you know, not a lot of my childhood was knowing like married parents, but it was still a beautiful childhood. And I have a brother who I'm super close with. And, you know, my mom really struggled with fertility and miscarriages. So to have him here was just such the biggest blessing. 
Um, and I couldn't be more grateful for our relationship and his presence in my life, and especially in the story that we'll get to today. But I was supported and loved and encouraged to just blossom and follow my dreams. And, you know, my mom raised me as a single parent and my dad would kind of ebbed and flowed in and out of the picture. Um, and when we settled in Charlotte, I was fully immersed in competitive figure skating that started at age six and was actually something I did very, very seriously through high school and consumed the majority of my time and my life and my passions. And, you know, my parents really supported it. Um, and as I've gotten older and, and stepped away from that, that pressure and that sport, I realized you know, what an impact it made on my life um, and my personality and setting me up to be a lover of all things fitness and health and bodies and movement and artistry, but also like competitive as hell and such a perfectionist and, you know, the need to just live up to this Olympic sized expectation, you know, and, and it wasn't even that it just came from like one person, you know, a parent or a coach, like it, it's you all eyes on you and it's up to you to perform, you know, you don't have a team to fall back on. Um, and my life was skating before school, skating after school, traveling on the weekends. I was in Pilates, ballet, personal trainer, you name it. I mean, like, it's like, once you say go, you go and you're all the way in and you hope you make it. Um, and that, that was really everything I could remember about growing up when I, when I thought about it, you know, leading up to telling the story until I got to high school. And I was like, I can't live this way. I can't do this anymore. I don't have friends. I don't know how to be a normal kid. I don't know how to have a life. You know, my friends were like, we stopped asking you to hang out years ago because you always say no, like you can never come. We know you're traveling. We know you're skating. And I was like, I don't know what it's like to have a team. What does it mean to work on a team? And it not always be up to me. And I'm not always the one that's getting yelled at or fussed at if it doesn't go right, you know, or being so hard on myself. Um, so high school for me was really where a lot of stuff started to change and take shape. And my mom got cancer my sophomore, junior year of high school. And, you know, like I said, single mom and working really hard to support my brother and I, and she never remarried or anything. Um, and a lot of that care caregiver role was me. Um, and my brother and I grew up really, really fast up until that point, but especially those couple of years and, and being there for her and caring for her the way she had cared for us our whole lives. Um, also, it's just such like a pivotal time, you know, like leaving everything I'd ever known and changing schools. And like, we all know how high school is, but trying to figure all of that out. And, and I was like, oh, perfect. I'll just run track and cross country and take care of my mom and try to make all A's and figure out where I'm going to go to college and what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And that's when I really started to notice that not only was I feeling this insane need to be present and perfect and give and love and do, and not even to receive praise or reward, but to like make myself feel like I was worthy of myself, to make my life feel worthy, to make me proud of me. And like, I was living up to this thing that I was supposed to be. And I started noticing like, wow, okay, like I, I need to move my body. Moving my body is the only way I know how to deal with these feelings. Moving my body is the only way I know how to control anything. And then I started noticing how different my body was from other bodies. And I changed really quickly because of skating. I got very muscular very quickly and I got my period very early. And a lot of my body started changing before, you know, my friends and 
the people around me and that was hard. And I started noticing things about me that were different from other people. And I was like, well, is this normal? Is this not normal? Yeah. Um, my legs are so muscular. I can't wear Hollister jeans, but you know, my friends over here, they're full of Hollister and Abercrombie jeans. Like I don't understand. Um, and it didn't really start hitting me until we went through that with my mom and her cancer and all of that stress and the pressure and the sadness that that was my way of coping with anxiety and coping with this perfectionistic tendency that had been there all along. And I could make myself feel worthy or in control or capable if I altered my food that day, if I exercised an amount that day. And it wasn't even that I was like our next track superstar. I just needed to run. Like I, I just had to move and I, I needed to be able to at least kind of have some say over what I ate. And my mom caught on, like she was very aware and it wasn't like I grew up being told what I could or couldn't eat. And even through the skating career, like, yes, there were some people that were like, well, if you want to do these things, you have to look this way. But I was very fortunate that that was mostly a nurturing environment and she started to catch on and she was like, what is this? Like, where is this coming from? Like, I'm, I'm noticing things about you that don't seem like you and you're coping in ways that are not healthy. And we need to like have some talks here. Um, you, and that was the first time. Can you give some examples of what that may have looked like? Because if someone is in high school or I know we have a ton of moms listening. Yeah. What I mean. 20 years ago, kids in high school weren't saying, oh, I have anxious thoughts. They were just acting out mm-hmm. and rebelling. Now with social media and all these people talking about mental health, it is more on the forefront in that conversation. So what were some things that your mom was noting? Like what were some specific things that you were doing and you were changing that you noticed were different than other high school students? Oh, for sure. So I, I had to like plan and control like situations. So everything for me was like very methodical. Like I had steps that I did everything. My days were organized. I knew at this time I was going to be doing this, this time I was going to be doing that. Like I had all of these plans and ways that everything fit into like a square for me. And now it's funny because like later in my life, I'm like, I don't fit in a square. I don't fit in a box because my whole life I've made myself tiny and small to fit in a square or a box. And I was so regimented and anytime I had to like change a routine or like change time, or I couldn't do these couple of things that made me feel like I was set and centered, I would just lose it. Like I I couldn't cope. And like, meanwhile, my friends are like, no schedule, like don't care if they get in like their, their run or X amount of time for homework and studying or this amount of time to like make lunch or whatever it was. And I was so like, everything is structured and I have to do this. And then I started really looking at myself in the mirror all the time and I wouldn't even notice like I I would just all of a sudden my mom would be like what are you why are you pinching yourself like why are you standing there grabbing your stomach why are you looking at yourself in the mirror like that why are you holding your clothes like that and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even notice it was just like this nervous innate tendency to grab and pinch and hold on to and just feel and that was like a way of just releasing whatever was pent up and that that need to just perfect and change and do and I would always be kind of fidgety so if I was trying actively not to like control the situation or pinch or do something I'd be count like counting things off my fingers or just needing to do something with my hands to distract my mind from where it was going those like obsessive compulsive need to just 
go 10 miles an hour to avoid the emotions that I had in that moment. Um, and it, I mean, it really started, it started young, but it wasn't until high school to where it really got to be such a problem to where my mom was like, wow, like I am noticing these things and I'm noticing, you know, you're, you're very picky about the foods that you'll buy at the store, or you'll let me bring home to put in your lunchbox or what you get going out to dinner. And it, it hadn't escalated to a very restrictive disordered pattern yet, but it started then. Um, and we went, I started going to the center for balanced living. And this lady is a very prominent feature in my life and still is. And, and just meeting with her and she was a, she's amazing. She's literally one of the best people I've ever met. And her name was Amy. Um, and started going to Amy and just talking through these things. And it was just like an outlet for me, you know, not a friend, not a parent, um, somebody I could just talk to that understood like why these things are happening in my brain, why I'm starting to notice my body the way that I am and feel the need to control it the way that I do. Um, and she was so, so helpful. And I was fortunate. I was fortunate that my mom caught on then. Uh, we just at that time didn't know what it was going to become. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's young, that's 15, 16 years old mm -hmm. and high school is a really tough time. And I also think that middle school, high school, I mean, definitely younger than that, but earlier than that, we're raised to, we're raised and we're conditioned. So we're conditioned to see what's around us, see what's going on and kind of be unable to vocalize, verbalize our emotions, our feelings. We're not at that level yet. Like we don't have our prefrontal cortex. We're not even real humans yet. And so when you're going through all these things and you see all these outlets, like some kids go out and do drugs, some kids go out and mm -hmm. rebel, some kids, you know, steal a pack of gum. Some kids start, uh, who knows, whatever people do, um, is their way of coping. And so it's on a different extreme when it's something that becomes so isolating. So like, no, you can't talk to anybody about this. You can't ask your friends, Hey, why am I pinching my stomach at home? Do you do this? You know, that's just not a mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I can imagine that was probably a very isolating time. And I know that you have, you've expressed this to me, um, that you have gone through very severe and intense emotional relationships, um, you were engaged at one point, you've had very intense relationships with people. And a lot of that has been, um, very opening, but also has been shaped by the way you had conditioned yourself, the way that you thought that you were, you thought you, what you thought your identity was. So can you talk a lot of people, and we're going to get into questions in a little bit, but I really want to hear your story. I think it's really incredible. The way that you've used it as fuel. So the, what I really want to get into is so many people were talking about emotional eating. So mm -hmm. once you graduated high school, you were going off into college, you no longer have home, you no longer have those parameters. So when left up to your own devices, what happened in college and afterwards that kind of escalated and brought you to where you are? Yeah, so college is like the woof, boom, bomb drop. Um, I got my shit together for the end of high school and I snapped together and like we, we got mom healthy and I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to get my stuff together. I'm going to college. And I was like, awesome. Like, I know these things about myself, passionate about like health, passionate about fitness, helping people. How am I going to turn this into this like 
big badass career and I'm going to graduate and make a shit ton of money. Like that was my mentality. And I was like, I'm going, I'm making all A's, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. So I got accepted to East Carolina because they have one of the top exercise physiology programs um, of all the schools I applied to and, and visited. And I was like, amazing, done going. Um, a lot of friends, I was in Charlotte at the time. So a lot of friends were going as well. And I was like, I, I had a little bit of a community and I had this whole plan in my mind, you know, most people do, right? Like we're programmed that way, which is also like a whole other topic, but like we're told that we have to be 18 years old and know exactly what we want to do with the rest of our lives to be successful. And that's not healthy for anyone. Like, first of all, so here I am like, okay, great. Like, here's this plan for my life and I'm going to graduate and I'm going to do all these things. And so I get to college and it's like, awesome. I know my major, like I know my roommate, I'm joining a sorority and I'm going to make all A's. And it was like, sure, the food may not have been a problem right then, but nothing about me innately, the perfectionism, the anxiety, the need to just be amazing all the time and give and love and do, none of that had been healed. I didn't know what any of that was and how to channel it into healthy behaviors. So I got to college and it was a nightmare. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. I, I don't know how I made it through freshman year. I did, I, maybe just amazing friends and the excitement of being in college. I struggled with food, but more so for me, it was just the pressure. And I made Dean's List. I was ready to declare my major the first year, day, couple of days of sophomore year. I made Dean's List, like all of these things. I pushed myself to be president of my sorority as a sophomore, like from the outside, side people were like oh my god like you have this amazing perfect beautiful successful life like you look awesome and like you have everything together and on the inside I was the most broken depressed depleted girl and I didn't know how to say that I didn't know how to express that and so I just kept going because that was all I had known and next thing I knew in these classes I'm, I'm in labs I'm in the gym I'm just surrounded by constant like fitness and food talk and I, I couldn't even tell you the day it started but I was so wrapped up by the time I realized I had a problem I was too far in to know that I had a problem and I was oh my god I would work out three times a day and think nothing of it and I would eat a special k bar and sip on some chicken noodle soup and call it a day and I would get so lost in this pattern every single day that I don't even think I knew until close to the end of sophomore year that I was so sick that my body was literally falling apart. And I isolated myself. I lied to all of my friends. I pushed them all away. I, I quit going to things. I quit socializing because socializing meant food. Socializing meant alcohol. So, so socializing meant losing control and letting people into this, this problem and this pattern. And all I knew how to do was to just keep running to escape it. And I would literally run and run and run, like literally run to the point where my toes would bust and bleed. And I would have to call a friend to come pick me up because I couldn't get back home. And I wouldn't eat and I would go to bed and I would do the same thing again the next day. And it was like, the more I did it, the more that voice, which we can get into this, but they, they call it Ed. You go to therapy and every medical therapist is like Ed, Ed in your head. It's this guy, big bad guy, Ed. And Ed's like, yes, yes, yes. And it's this sick, sad, twisted, romanticizing relationship you have with this, this thing. And you're like, I don't even know if this is me, but I have this thing inside of me. And the more I give into it and the more I listen to it, the happier I am. 
And it just is such a twisted mental game. And that was the entire back end of my sophomore year. Wait, by the time I got home. But when you were saying that you were lying to friends, you were not socializing, you were falling apart. What do you mean by like physically falling apart? Because I know you and I know how you and I both know our bodies very well. And like, we're Mm -hmm. super, super sensitive. So if something is off in our environment, we completely like, our bodies will tell us. So what for you specifically, what were you noticing physically and what types of, honestly, what types of like lies would you tell? Because I genuinely believe that sometimes when we hear specifics like that, it, we may not notice that a friend is starting to pick up this trend and it doesn't have to be just in college. This can be anytime especially in the state of the world where we're, everything is stress, everything is fluctuating, yeah. there's constant change, everyone is ungrounded in a way, and they're working towards it, but they might not realize maybe they are so deep in. So what were some of those specifics, like, if you don't mind sharing, like, those details of how you thought you were falling apart and lying and changing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it, it started first with having to alter my relationships, right? Because no good friend is going to let you do the things that you're doing. Um, and if they spend a meal time around you or are seeing you go to the gym in between every single class, like you're going to have a problem. Um, and I was living in a sorority house too. So like I had to get very, very methodical about all of this and was so good at lying about being in the library or being in the lab or having to go back to the gym because some of my classes were in the gym, um, which made my life a little easier. Cause I was like, Oh, it's for class or it's for school or it's a project or whatever I'm working on. Um, and then, you know, they'd invite me out for it's college. So people are going out on Tuesdays, like Wednesdays, it doesn't matter. Like inviting me out for dinner. And I would lie about like not having the money or I had already eaten. Um, and that, you know, I, I needed to study or I had things coming up and it was, just so easy to do because there were a million other places I could go hide and not be found. And ECU is a big campus and it worked to my advantage that I could just walk across the street and slip into the gym and nobody would know. And half my friends didn't work out. So they wouldn't come looking for me. Um, And then physically I, I had so many bruises. My body was constantly covered in bruises. I had petechia everywhere. I mean, you looked at me wrong and I'd get a bruise and my hair was falling out. I literally had no hair. I was dark. My, none of my clothes fit. I hid in like all of these baggy clothes, constantly freezing. Um, and I had, and most people do, it's like once you get under a certain body weight, your body's just trying to cope. Like it's just trying to keep you alive. Um, I couldn't focus. I could barely hold conversations with people. I was tired all the time. I got to like the end of the semester and my professors were like, what is going on with you? Like, you are not the student and the person that we knew. Like you, you can barely hold your head up. I could barely hold my head up because I was freaking hungry. I barely hold my head up to, to pay attention, to listen, to write. It hurt to like bend my fingers and do things. Um, and I had all that peach fuzz that starts to grow on your body just to keep you freaking warm. And it, it was awful. It was so awful. And but I thought I'd look in the mirror and I'd see bruises and I'd just be so happy. Like it, it was the most twisted thing. And I just be like, wow, 
yes, this is great. Another successful day. Like you're doing the right things. Like you're following this path. You're, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And it was never enough. And that's what what was was so terrifying about it. What was, what was there? Like when, did you have a certain picture in your head that once I hit X, I will have accomplished my mission? Or is it just a never ending cyclical thing where you knew that the bruises, the bruises represented another day where you didn't eat, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was never enough. It was, and like I said, that voice, Ed, it was like, okay, great. You're doing a good job. Like, keep going. Perfect. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like you can do another day. Oh, you went this many times without food and got this many workouts in today, or you went an hour and a half on the treadmill, like maybe you could go two hours tomorrow. Like, oh, you only busted one toe today. Well, like bandage it up, like you're back at it. And it, it was just, it was all I knew. It was all I knew. I didn't know how to do or be anything else. And I started resenting people for the friends that did start to ask questions or make sure I was okay. I resented them. And it just made me want to push them away and lie to them more because I didn't want anyone coming in between me and what I was doing and how I was controlling this. And, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even really like look in the mirror and and that's still a problem. And we can get into that. Like that's never been an easy thing for me, but certainly then like I would do these checks and body checks. And that's a very, very telling sign. You know, it started when I was in high school, but if someone who is struggling And like I said, it becomes so like innate, you don't even realize you're doing it, but these checks of yourself, whether it's in a mirror or just with your hands, like feeling your body. And I would do those checks, but outside of that, I I could barely meet my own eyes in a mirror and much less look at myself in a bathing suit or in underwear or think of myself as a woman who is sexy or pretty. Like it was never about that. Like I was never like, oh, I'm going to be the next supermodel and look amazing on the cover of sports illustrated for me like it never started there it was just this need to be as small as I possibly could because everything else felt too big and scary to handle um Mm -hmm. and it it got to be that summer I got home that my symptoms got big like they got really big because I I was away from school and I didn't have all of the other time constraints of of classes and studying and lying to my friends it just became lying to my mom and I got this badass internship with Velocity Sports in Charlotte and they worked with a ton of like Carolina Panthers and professional athletes. And oh my God, I, I lied my way through the amount of reasons I needed to be there just so that I could get in workouts there or sneak off to the gym. And I took a nannying job, which ate up a lot of times so that I could hide from my family and they wouldn't know what I ate that day. Um, and I started having all kinds of heart problems. And so, ob- I mean, obviously I hadn't had like a period and I couldn't even remember how long and I was having trouble breathing. Like I would just get really short of breath and exhausted really easily. And my heart started like, it would either feel like it was fluttering really, really quickly or like it was skipping a beat. And I knew that there was a problem. Obviously I knew that there was a problem and I would be scared. And every time I walked into the gym, I was like, well, I hope I live through this. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, no, but like, really, I kind of hope I live through this because I don't know if I'm going to, but I would still go. I would still go and I wouldn't say a thing. I wouldn't tell anybody most of the time because they didn't know I was there. And I don't know, we got to maybe like mid-June and my mom sat me down and she was like, no, none of this is happening anymore. Like, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on. And I feel like I've, I'm a horrible mother for letting it go on this long. And 
if you want to go back to school and if you want to work out and you want to do all these things, like we're going to try this since we came up with all these plans and I pretended to go along with them. And it was like, you're going to eat X amount of calories before you go work out. And then you're going to eat X amount of calories after you work out. And that just turned into me resenting her. I resented her more and I would throw away all the food and I would, it was easy. It was just so insanely easy to lie. It was so easy to lie and deceive. And it got to be to where one day I think I had gotten home from the gym. It, it was like later in the evening. And she told me that I needed to pick up my dinner and needed to be like a good dinner, a responsible dinner to come home and eat after the gym. And I couldn't, I freaked out. I had a full blown panic attack because I couldn't, I didn't know how to order myself something like that. I didn't know how to order a big dinner and what that looked like and knowing the calories in the food. And I knew the calories and everything and, and knowing the, what it would require for her to say was a good dinner. I couldn't even order it. I couldn't order it. I had a panic attack in the car and ordered what I always would have ordered. And I walked in with like the tiniest little salad and tried to eat it without her noticing. And she lost it. And she was like, you're not going back to school. I'm not letting you go back to school in the fall like this. You can't even admit you have a problem. You can't do anything to fix it. We're going to start fixing it. And if it's not at a point where I feel like you're healthy and stable to go back to school in the fall, you're not going. Um, so we went back to Amy at the Center for Balanced Living. And I started meeting with her regularly. And she told my mom, I think it was the, my mom and I in there like one session. And she was like, I don't think we can fix this. Like Kate needs to go somewhere. Um, and that that was hard to hear. I mean, that rocked my world. And the fact that I was even back in therapy for this. Did you feel and like then she's had- telling me that therapy isn't enough? I was like, what? I'm not going to rehab. Like I didn't want to get well. I was so angry and shocked and couldn't wrap my brain around the idea of people forcing me to get healthy. That so I, was, I, mean, I was literally willing to die. I was willing to die. Were you happy? Like, were you actually, I guess it would be what you consider happy, but during the, all of this, you're saying like, I didn't want to get better. Was it because of control? Do you looking yeah. back, was it because you were, it was someone else telling you what to do? Um, what do you mean? So but that's really what I want to know is like, were you happy? I, it, somewhere in my twisted head and relationship with this thing. Yeah, I was happy. I was so happy and content with what I was doing and what I was doing to myself that I didn't care if it killed me. I didn't care. I didn't care that I was having heart problems. I didn't care that I didn't have a period. I didn't care that I looked like shit and was bruised and wearing 10 layers in the middle of July. Like none of that mattered to me. And like I said, I didn't even have an end goal. Like I just needed to control all of the emotions and the anxiety and the stress inside me. And that was the only way I knew how to do it. And I was so far in that I wasn't going to let anyone or anything stop me. And I just pushed everyone away that I felt like was going to. And then obviously couldn't push my mom away, loved her to death. And I, I knew she was right somewhere deep down inside, but I resented her. I resented Amy. And then they're pitching these, like, you know, we're looking at therapy. We're applying to places to send me to rehab. Um, and I finally just broke down and I told her like, 
you're right. I, I don't know how to fix this. This is so beyond me and bigger than me. And I'm scared. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get better. I don't know if my life will ever be different. I just know that I can't do it by myself. And I don't know what this means. But I'm willing to try. And I think we had that conversation and had talked to a few treatment centers literally days before my heart stopped beating. And that was July 6th of 2012. And I went to the doctor. So we had started doing some like routine doctor's appointments and checkups just to get things out of the way, knowing that I was probably going to get moved to a treatment center. So we had started to just do the usual. I was literally in the dermatologist's office. Um, and he's been a family doctor for a long time and, and knows us really well. And um, obviously, people close to us and doctors and stuff had, had seen the changes and they knew what was going on with me. And I went in just because I needed like a mole removed or something. And they gave me the numbing shot of epinephrine to numb the site. They were going to deal with it. No big deal. I should have been in and out. Um, they did the shot and my heart was too weak to handle the epinephrine and it knocked it out of rhythm completely. And I coded on the table for 10 seconds. And I just remember laying there and looking up at the bright light and my mom was there and they were laughing and talking and just telling me to take deep breaths. And I felt the shot hit and it was like, all of a sudden I couldn't speak. I, I couldn't move. And it was just all of a sudden this slow fade. And I just watched like the light get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it was just black. And I've fainted before <laughs> and I know what it's like to faint. And this was like, unlike anything that I can even really describe. And even when I still try to like tell this story to people and, and there's people that know me for years that don't know the story, it's so hard to describe. And what happened in those 10 seconds, I was very much aware that my body technically wasn't like living anymore but I was alive and it was very warm and there was all of this like bright light and all of a sudden all I saw and you know, believe what you will I, I'm all for spirituality religion non-religion all the things believe what you will like there was just this like bright light and a huge hand and all I heard was a man's voice telling me to turn around and go back now because it wasn't my time and my eyes open and it was literally like being born like everything restarted I took a huge deep breath everything was fizzing I couldn't speak I couldn't move again everyone was rushing around like above me my mom's freaking out the doctors are freaking out and she saw my eyes open and she grabbed my arm and she was like hey baby you're okay and then grabbing the doctors and they're like she's back she's back and it, it was minutes before I could even speak. And it was a good month or two before I even told anyone that story and what happened or what I saw and what I heard. And needless to say, I ended up in the, the hospital for quite some time. Um, but that 
moment, and though none of this has been easy and my story didn't get easier and I wasn't healed and I wasn't fixed, like that moment for me was when I knew that I was put here for a reason and that my life had a purpose much, much bigger than what I thought. And still to this day, I'm finding out it's like bigger and more meaningful than what I thought. Um, but that I was saved. I, I, I was sent back and saved from this for a reason. And, you know, I may never get 10,000 followers and go on a huge book tour or whatever, like all the things, like if I save even just one to two people from ever experiencing anything like that, like then that's good enough for me. Wow. And I've never heard you tell that story. I mean, I know that was really, that was not easy to say out loud, but the way that you speak makes it so clear how much you think about that and how big that is for you to express exactly even if you think you sound crazy you know yeah. it gets to a point <laughs> that that's even hard for me to that's just an amazing story and I really just I'm so grateful that you opened up with all of that I had no idea where that was going and then boom wow um I would be willing to wager that almost nobody who is listening to this right now has probably gone through anything like that and and I think that you're right and it takes a a I don't know what it is whether it's a spirit or a god or a energy whatever it is I just really believe that it takes someone special to just hear that, you know? Mm. Well, that's incredible. And, and you're right. If you help one person, and I know that you're going to help people just who hear this right now. Um, and I feel like you're going to get it and you're going to help them even sooner. You're going to get to it before it gets to that. And, mm. and so, Wow. I feel like there's so much we can unpack right now, but I just, so kinda, much. <laughs> I kind of just want to like sit with that and we're going to have to do a whole nother, we'll have to do a whole new podcast on everything <laughs> else because it's, we've never had anyone on the podcast talk about even a near death experience, mm-hmm. let alone an experience that you believe is something like that. Um, like where you feel like you have the hand of someone on you telling you something. And I definitely believe in guides and energies and spirits. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with religion or spirituality, whatever people decide to practice. I think that no matter what, everyone has a belief, whether they not like to think about it or not. Um, yeah. So right now, if you were looking back at younger Kate, what would you say? Like high school Kate, what would you tell her? My oh my God, girl, I would, I would love to tell her so many things. And, and I think about this a lot too, is I'm like, what would I, what would I do? Like, would I go back and change anything? Not at all. Not one thing. But if I could tell her anything, 
guy would just tell her that she like she's she's gonna do it like to live it and it's gonna suck and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna get even harder than it is in 10th grade and it's gonna require work and patience but to just keep going because she's gonna do it like you're you're gonna recover and you're gonna heal and you're gonna fight for it every single day for the rest of your life it's going to be a choice when you put your feet on the floor in the morning of who gets to win and who gets to rule the day but you're going to do it and not only are you going to do it but you're going to decide that your life is worth more than just the day-to-day of putting the feet on the floor you're going to put your feet on the floor decide to do it and then go out there and change other people's lives and i think that's ultimately what she would want to know because I've had that feeling and, and I think we all do. Like we all have that feeling and, and whether it's sports or writing or business or cooking, like whatever it is, we all know that there's like this thing that just like lights us up and we're like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what makes me happy. And if I do this in some way for the rest of my life, I'm gonna feel like I've accomplished what I was put here for. And for me, it was always like, well, I know I'm supposed to help people. Like, I'm great at talking. I'm great at loving. I'm great at giving. I just didn't know what it meant and how I was going to use those things in the future. Um, And now it's all kind of making more sense. (laughs) It's incredible. And, and I think we were talking about this before we started recording and even yesterday when we were on the phone and probably 10 times in the past year when we worked together, but you know, not everyone has to have this kind of story to be impacted by these thoughts and to be impacted by stress and to be impacted by a parent being sick, not knowing how to handle emotion, whether or not you're, whether you're in a relationship that you just can't figure out the way you're feeling um, and you take it out on your body or you take it out on others, or if it's your job, or if you are struggling with parenting, or if you're struggling with you know, anything, then you don't, it doesn't have to always be this intense moment. Sometimes it can just be a decision that you decide to make every single day. And, um, and also by the way, for anyone listening, sorry, if there's any echo, I feel like I can hear myself and I hope that that doesn't come off. (laughs) But I got so many questions And I sent some of them to you, but even more came in after that. And I asked on Instagram, I said, you know, what is a concern that you guys have based in um, eating disorders or disordered thoughts or emotional eating? And a lot of it was about body dysmorphia. And you talked about that a little um, you talked about that a little bit when you were doing these body checks and you were looking at yourself in the mirror, having a tough time and wanting to see a different version of yourself in the mirror. Can you talk about body dysmorphia and what your experience was? And it's, it's so prevalent. And what were some things that made you realize looking back that body dysmorphia was seeping in? Yeah, definitely. And I think body dysmorphia is such an important topic for, oh my God, for everyone. And I wish, and and that's like one of my biggest things is like, we just have to start changing the language and the education and the way we present 
bodies and health and fitness and movement to people at such a young age because it happens like and, and you don't even have to have an eating disorder you don't have to to label yourself one thing or the next to to struggle with your body and like food relationships and there's just all the stigma and stereotyping around it that just like has to go like we just have to change the way that we present this stuff and talk to each other and educate it and make it something that it is okay for anyone to come forward and say like hey like I really just don't feel like I know myself and I don't know how I'm supposed to feel in in this outfit or doing this movement and you know people say I look this way but I really feel like I look this way and and I don't have the answers like nobody's gonna have the perfect answers and for me it was just never having an understanding and and I will say with the absolute truth like and I still struggle with this every day I struggle with this every day and it's a choice like I said when I put my feet on the floor in the morning of how I'm going to address it people would say one thing about me and not only could I not look in the mirror I just never felt like I lived up to the things that they were saying and people would compliment me or you say I looked really strong or I did something really well. And I just never felt it. Like it just never felt genuine. And I'm like, really? Because on the inside, I just feel heavy. And it wasn't even like my weight. It was just the pressure of everything always felt heavy. And I didn't know what natural beauty for me was supposed to look like and living in my authentic self was supposed to look like. And I just felt like no matter what, it was just heavy and that there was no way I could look to other people the way that the world said I should, because I just couldn't even look that way to myself. And it didn't matter if I had on baggy clothes or a bathing suit. I felt the same no matter what. And these are still very real things for me. I have trouble looking in the mirrors. I prefer to look at myself from about like neck up. Um, And that, you know, being a woman who's almost 30 and in a serious relationship that is a very hard thing to deal with every day um for getting dressed for feeling confident for feeling like I can walk out of the house and whatever I want to wear and I'm like yeah I'm a badass I look good and like I'm sure I'm hot to my boyfriend and I'm confident in my professional life my relationship my whatever it is and and those things like it's just it's a balance and I think it just stems from like you have to talk about it like you just Mm -hmm. have to talk about it you have to have somebody in your life that you can say those things to and they're not just going to look at you like well you're not fat or you're not skinny or you're great looking or do you know how many people would want to look like you like no like those are just empty meaningless statements to somebody who is really hurting and really struggling they just need you to hold space for that you know like they Mm -hmm. they just need you to sit with them and say like yeah that that does actually sound really tough and like how can I how can I boost you how can I listen to you how can I support you what do you need to hear from me and it's going to be so specific like for me I just love to hear that like I've really helped someone or made someone's day or like my energy has lended to something positive or you know I've contributed to something at work or whatever it is and those things like they fill my cup and I'm able to walk away feeling like really confident and really happy just knowing that I've lent something positive to other people because hello people pleaser that's who I am but it's just like I said just you, you gotta hold space for it and you can't shove people off or roll your eyes and it needs to be for men and women. Like it's, yeah. it's across the board because it is so prevalent. I don't care if you work in the fitness industry or not. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, genuinely being in the fitness industry, I, I realized it before, but I didn't realize how much it affected just the average person. I think it highlighted how often I saw it, but I don't think that people who walk into a gym or who are just going for a run or just coming in for yoga, whatever. I don't think that anyone really realizes how, how common it is to not take a compliment and really mean it and really mean Mm -hmm. that they don't feel that way. I know people that have the most gorgeous, slender six packs with an ass with boobs, like clearest skin, everything you could think of just the picture. Perfect person. You give them a compliment. Hey, Oh my God. It's so awesome to see you. You look great. And then them completely shit on themselves. And it's, and it's, it's these people that you think have everything together. Um, and, and we look on social media, it is everywhere. It is what we talked about this earlier. It's everyone's YouTube of, Hey, what do you guys want to see what I eat in a day? And I've done it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely guilty. I post pictures and recipes all the time and, but videos, whatever, but I'm not blind to the fact that it is definitely it, it's just adding to the dysmorphia of thinking this person eats this way. So I'm going to try it. Or this person is getting results faster than me. So I'm, I better try what they're doing. And also, I also think that it has completely disconnected people from their bodies, from really feeling what, what they're actually feeling. They have no idea what feeling good is mm-hmm. because they've always just thought that you feel this way on a certain diet or you feel this way eating a certain way, or I need to do these workouts because this is the way it is. Um, and this is how I'm going to achieve my goals. And you're right. Having those compliments of, wow, that was really genuine of you, or wow, you really made me happy today. Or thank you for being such a good friend. That's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Um, and another question that we got across the board was, uh, about binge eating and Mm -hmm. how, how to know if you're binge eating or if it's just a craving or if you are like, how can we know our hunger cues? I know this is something I work with, with my clients on a lot and helping them just really be mindful, but what would you, what would you say about binge eating and what has your experience been and what do you think could be helpful? Like some cues and triggers maybe. For sure. No, I think it's so important to, to clarify that fine line, because if we're talking about like body image and food relationships in that like slippery slope gray area, there are a lot of people who really struggle with food relationships where like a binge to them could be like, oh my God, I ate fries today. Like I, I binge, like that was a binge eat when realistically, no, it wasn't like you were craving those fries. Those fries look good. You indulge, you had the fries, like move on. I get it. I have been there. We could unpack that for days. I think if we're really focusing on binging and I have been there too, and I think it comes from two places and the two places could also be combined. So it's where we're either living in this like overly restrictive lifestyle, right? Like we're just so depleted in all the things it could be we are on this insanely strict diet or we're on this 
super regimented workout plan or we're just living so controlled scheduled 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 this is what i eat this is what i do this is my work schedule and everything fits to where it's like oh my god i've been living this way for three months and i'm freaking out and today i just can't do it anymore and i'm i'm going to town on donuts and french fries and pizza and all the things past the point you know like you're not treating yourself like you have just lost all control or i think it is this cycle of you have unmet needs or there's trauma or there's things that have happened where that coping mechanism is you just fill 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 that hole with all of these foods because temporarily it feels really good right and i think both of these could be two separate beasts or they could intertwine but they both ultimately lead to lead to the same thing where you're plummeting into these foods and these behaviors that at the end they make you feel like trash but there's no way to break that cycle once you're in it. And I come from the perspective of living that ultra, ultra restrictive lifestyle to where I do get in a situation. Most of the time it's with friends or I'm in a social setting and there's all of these things there that I love and I just wanna eat and hang out and drink. And next thing I know, like I know I'm full, I know that I feel sick and then I'm gonna feel even sicker the next day, but I can't stop. I just can't stop because I have restricted and restricted and controlled to the point where I'm saying like, F you middle finger, I'm going to town until I freaking blow up. Like, and it's awful because it's like you've just glazed over and you don't know how to stop or to break it. And I think it all comes down to A, we just got to freaking talk about it. Like we've just got to start asking for help and communicating whether we're living in this super restrictive world or we've got a lot of unmet emotional needs or there's traumas and there's things in our lives that we haven't dealt with that is resulting in this yeah but there also has to be like a balance like I, I am a firm 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 believer in you have to know yourself and know that your food your exercise all of these things have to fit in a balanced package you can't follow 30-day challenges crash diet count all of your calories not go to therapy not ask for help and just expect that like you're going to be okay and you're going to know your body and all these things are just going to work out for you like that is going to result in failure every single time you can't turn to the fad diet culture or coping with food and expect to be healthy like you have to turn in and it takes work. And that's, you know, I'll go say this to like, I'm blue in the face. Like we have to educate people. We yeah. have to start providing people these resources and these outlets so early in life, or we do, we end up at this point where so many people are hurting and they're broken and we get past the point of like really, really being able to help them. And it's so sad. It breaks my heart. So it's like, that's me. I'm out there like freaking drop the social media stuff. If you have to like drop the fad diets, like work with counselors, work with people that can help you learn how your body works. Cause your body is so different from everyone else's and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So learn what it's asking for, learn what it needs. And as soon as you like turn into that, like amazing natural rhythm, you don't have to count anything. You don't yeah. have to track your workouts. Like you just start knowing what to feed it, when to move it, when to rest it. And all of a sudden, like your cravings are in balance. You're not binging, you're not restricting and treats yeah. are treats, you know, and it, it takes work to get there. And that's, you know, I'll say it again, like we, we just have to communicate and we have to put the resources out there so that people have access to them. Yeah. And even something as small as rethinking and reframing the way we think of these delicious meals, like 
having mm-hmm. an indulgence and having a, a pleasurable experience when you're eating food, that's part of satiety. Like that's yeah. going to help get you full. If you want to order a pasta with your dinner, then have it with the table and, and enjoy every bite. And mm-hmm. there's, you put pasta on a little plate, you know, and you share it with people that you love that there's no amount of little plate pasta that's going to change your body. And and you're going to be fine. And even changing the way that we think about this is like, this is my pleasure course, or this is something that brings me joy for a moment. Um, and knowing that I'm still going to be able to nourish myself afterwards with maybe some leafy greens or some whatever, knowing that you always have that intuition to go back to, because you're not ignoring your desires or these social events from these people that really bring you love and joy. And, and one thing that I can't stand more than anything is the phrase cheat day. And that that to me just sounds like going out, drinking your face off and then eating an entire pizza, whole wheel of cheese, coming home, whole box of Cheez-Its whole. And and that's, if that happens once in a while, you get out, you go out and you're drunk with your friends, that's fine. But it's the consistency. It's the guilt afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, typically when people do that, I find that it's, you know, they're doing it like one night of the weekend, but it's because all day they have been restricting because they know they're going to do that. So they create this cycle for themselves. Um, and I think you're so right just about reframing and educating and changing the way that we're, um, changing the way that we're representing these words and, you're so spot on. Um, and that kind of leads me into what you just touched on, which is macro counting and being surrounded by like so many men in the fitness industry, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying that it's just women, but women talk about it more that it becomes addictive. It becomes a stressor they automatically are set up for failure as thinking that they're not enough because they didn't reach enough protein or they went over something. And, and it literally just, you know, it might work for some people and that's fine. Sometimes, you know, if you're being told by a health professional, like a doctor that you need to lose weight because you're pre-diabetic, that's one thing, but it's also about knowing that if you're pretty much just a healthy adult, you really don't need to go out and, take a picture of every label and put it into a computer for it to give you a thumbs up. You know, it's driving us so far away from intuition that we no longer, we're so, our head is so disassociated from our body that we don't know that a stomach ache may mean stress while you're eating. We may not know that like a headache means you need a certain antioxidant. Like there are so many little things, but um, what would you say about your thoughts on counting macros. I have my thoughts, but what are, what would you say? Yes, God, I'm like, I'm probably the worst person to ask because I am so against it. And I know like, obviously I have my personal story and it has shaped me the way that it has, but like, I lived that life, you know? Like I lived, my entire life was numbers and numbers on a scale, numbers on nutrition labels, tracking everything. And then even, you know, in the hospital and in rehab, I had to, like, that's how 
they taught us how to eat and how to cook, but it was very much like, this is your meal plan. You have to measure out everything. You have to track everything. We have to make sure you're getting enough of everything. And I got into real life, quote unquote, after that. And I was like, okay, well, number one, how in my 20s am I ever going to go to a restaurant with uh, friends or on a date with my measuring cups and um, my like food scale and my tablespoons and try to make sure that my proteins, my fats and all these things like fit for me. And I hated the scales and I, I no longer wanted to know what I weighed. And still to this day, I go on backwards. I ask everywhere I go to go on backwards because I just don't need that number. Like, I don't need that number in my brain. I know my body. I know what feels good. I know what feels strong. I know what feels powerful. And I just run off of that. So ditch that. I ditched the measuring. I ditched the calories. And I don't even wear a freaking Fitbit Apple Watch. Like, I just don't want to know any of it. And it was hard. And it still is a process because, as we've said, you have to be intuitive. But that's where we learn. Like, that's where we grow. That's where we make changes. And I think to some extent, if you need a little bit of guidance in areas or you have questions about areas like people that I work with, like they ask me questions or they want guidance there. Like I'm more than happy to give them a little bit of educational information, but I tell them like, that's not really my area. Like that's not where I live. That's not how I live my life and honor my body. And if you're up for it, I would love to help you get in a groove to where you're just in tune with how you work, what you need, what makes you feel good. And then next thing you know, like they're, like you said, they're empowered. Like they're making these decisions and they're like, oh, I have a stomach ache today. Or I didn't sleep that great last night. Like I know kind of what foods, maybe lay off the coffee today, what movement I'm going to need that's going to like bring me back to, to center. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm set up for like, a great night's sleep and a productive day the next day. And I just yeah. think like that speaks volumes over counting every meal and weighing every meal and it's it's just so robotic and cold and it sets you up for such negative relationships with food and your body and And it should like eating should be fun like it is soulful and enjoyable and I don't care whether you're eating broccoli or you're out to eat with friends like it should be so fun and like a quiet moment to just be like nourishment and it tastes good and I know how to cook it and I know what it's doing and there's just so much empowerment in that. I completely agree. I definitely do. And, and what's, what's so challenging is knowing that so often people, I hear this all the time and I'm sure you do too daily, actually, when people say, okay, well, last night, you know, had a bunch of pasta. So I'm going to go do the most high intensity workout today to Mm -hmm. burn it all off. And it's either, it has to be a super low, low and a super high, high to create balance when really progress is not linear. And there are going to be some days where you have this like giant pasta, cheesy dish at night, whatever. And then the next day you still just go for a walk. Um, and you know, and you still just go for a walk because you don't, like you said before, and we'll keep going back to this. You get to choose every single day who you want to show up as. And if you're always showing up as this person, who's trying to catch all these different balls and trying to get the diet, perfect, get the workout, perfect, um, get the sleep perfect. But if you want to get the workout perfect, then you have to mess up the sleep a little bit and you know, all these little things. And I think that when finding that balance, it really is just about like taking a moment and listening to yourself and think of your non-negotiables. Like maybe you do really feel amazing when you work out. Maybe we maybe we take away the structure in the box that you've put yourself in for the workouts. Maybe it's just movement. 
maybe it's just like 20 minutes of stretching. Cause I, yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in like daily movement for sure, but maybe it's just a slow walk while you're on the phone with a friend just to like get things moving, but you know, take yourself out of whatever box you're in. And for instance, I have been on a bachelorette and then another girl's weekend, the very next weekend with three days in between to recover, which is nothing. And I'm telling you, I've never felt so out of alignment with my body, but I, I knew I was like, I'm going to just make my juices, but instead of doing a juice cleanse, I'm just like adding in some greens. I am not changing my workouts. If anything, I'm going a little bit slower because my body is so tired. And I know that if I work out hella hard, when my body is tired, I'll get hurt. I'll pop a rib out of place. I'll get severe cystic acne. I won't sleep. I'll be jittery, like everything that you can think of. So it's, it's really knowing and looking at your previous habits and patterns. And if that hasn't been working for you, write it down, talk it out, you know, and, and there are people out there who are educating themselves like myself, like you who want to help people. So, you know, if you could, and I don't want to take up all of your time, even though actually, yes, I do, but I can't, but (laughs) we're going to have to do another one because I definitely want to get into another podcast about um, like relationships, emotional eating, how it can drag you down and how you have to really like dig yourself out like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. But when you are looking at your day, can you, and this might be too drastic, but where you are right now and this like really high vibration, clear headspace where, you know, your big picture, you know, your goal, and you know, you can clearly state how you got to where you are right now. And you're very intuitive. What does your average day look like now with what you're eating, how you're sleeping, your workouts, and compared to even two years ago? Yes. Oh my God. Um, I was thinking about this today, actually, like prepping for this. And honestly, even I could even go like just six weeks ago, I feel like. Um, So 2020 for me was so uh, interesting for everyone. Hello, don't start fire. But um, so weirdly amazing because I was like, I was in my zone. Like I was in my element. And oddly enough, like I was coming off 2019 was one of my biggest relapse recovery years that I had really faced since some of those really scary times um, right out of college. And I had just slipped back into a pattern of not listening to myself, not honoring myself, and just throwing myself into do, 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 be perfect, prove you can do this, prove you can do this, prove that you can work in fitness and not relapse, prove that you can do all of these things. And still work out five times a day and do high intensity and run and all the stuff. And so 2020 for me, hello world shut down, no gyms and all the things, but I was able to embrace what it felt like to recover without all of these like outside stimulus things. We didn't have gyms. Like it was me and the outdoors and getting real with myself and literally picking myself up by like the scruff of my own neck and being like, get your freaking shit together, Kate. Like, what are you waiting for? You say that you have this purpose and this calling and this life you want to live. Are you going to freaking do it or what? Because like this year is the year. If you're going to do it, this is it. 
So I made changes and I got my ass into school and got my shit together. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm not going to like live this bounce in, bounce out life anymore. Like I'm leaning all the way into this thing and buckled down, got rigid with my time and my boundaries. And I cut, got, I cut a lot of people out of my life, which sounds tough and not in a negative way, but like, I just had to eliminate stuff that was weighing me down, people that were dragging me down, routines that were dragging me down, things that just did not align with where I saw myself and how I was going to get there. So now it is very much in like protective maintenance mode of all of those things that I did last year to set myself up for this year being like launch ready go. Um, and I'm very busy. I work full time for, um, you know, big fitness company in the area and I'm still in school about to graduate and I'm launching all of this stuff on the side. And I've recently joined like a coaching business and all of the things. So it's like, I'm, I'm very busy, but I am so intentional with what I give my time and energy to in all of those realms now and how I structure it. Um, and ultimately like it just starts with me. And if I'm not in tune and aligned with who I am and how I'm taking care of myself, I'm not going to be able to function in any of those things. Um, and that's, like I've said, it's involved with holding people to those strict boundaries and honoring my time. And I have taken myself out of high intensity environments with pressure situations at work in workouts. And I make sure that I'm getting eight hours of sleep. Like I have my sleep routine. I come upstairs and it's like diffuser, I do my nighttime supplements and like I'm in bed and I look forward to like my space, my quiet time sleeping because I'm going to need all of that sleep to fuel the next day. And I try to keep like a loose plan. Like I wake up and it's like, okay, what does my body need today? Like, is it yoga? Is it a walk? Um, do I just want to do a little bit of like low impact body work? Do I want to lift weights? And yeah. it's all just very intuitive and it's the strongest, like most balanced I've felt in that world for a really long time and eating is very much the same way like I said I, I don't track or hold myself to strict meal plans and you know I'm in a relationship a serious relationship so that's always like fun and you're out to eat or you're cooking things and enjoying things and trying things and I've just really have just exhale you know and it's like enjoy this stuff like this is life like this is living this is aligned with who you are and what you're about and how you want to help others. And if you're not practicing it and believing in it, then who, who else is going to? Um, and also anyways. like you don't have to, people don't have to not be busy to be happy. You can be so busy, but if you are in line, it's a different kind of exhaustion at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a satisfied, oh, Jesus, this is a lot of work, but like, you can feel it. You can feel the <laughs> momentum even if it's just 1% every day, even if you just do one thing on top of all the other shit you have to do, you know, you don't have to just be, you know, with 50K passive income every month in order to be content. You know, you can be working and working hard and building and having a side hustle. You know, it doesn't just have to be, and, and you're not in a job that you're like, maybe you don't see yourself there for the next 20 years. Maybe that's not, you, you know, so what you're building on the outside is something that you can see yourself doing for the next 20 years. So it doesn't always have to be perfect, but as long as it's in alignment, I completely agree. 
once you are taking care of yourself in that respect, like you're getting your eight hours, then even your hunger Mm -hmm. hormones are telling you the right things. And then, you know, all of these different things really do play a part. And it's not just diet and workout. It's, it's who are you talking to? Who are you surrounding with? What energy are they bringing or taking from you? And I, I, there's no way you would be in a healthy relationship if you hadn't gotten yourself healthy and in a good mindset first. Mm-hmm. Um, like attracts like, and when you are vibrating high, then you attract high. Um, and that's so incredible. I just, I love everything that you're saying. So um, before I let you go, what are some of your favorite health resources, whether it's a podcast, a supplement, a workout, a book? What are some of your favorites? Um, So as I've kind of hinted towards, I am very, very intentional with social media. And I think everyone should be. Uh, My favorite game to play is how many people can I unfollow today? And I mean that in the best way possible. It's like, I, I love... And I don't care if you're famous in what industry you're in, but like people who just are vibrating this magnetic, let's do good and put good out into the world energy. And if there's anyone that makes me question that, I'm like, I, I, I can't absorb this. Um, so people I love right now, oh my God, Parsley Health is like my Mecca of like all amazing things that have to do with like functional medicine and mindfulness and wellness and health and just how to live like a balanced healthy lifestyle that's rooted in being in tune with your body and how it works um so dr robin burzen she founded that they're based in new york but have like some flagships and their instagram account is just full of amazing free resources you can also do like membership health trial with them um love them and they're like a health bible to me and then like i said like i love just like local people like you, this podcast, um, freaking Amelia loves kale mills method. I am a huge believer in her workouts and I do them all the time now. And it's just like an amazing, like mental zoom out for me to just like move in a way that feels like healthy and fun. They're so cool. Um, she's just, she's the best. She's really the best. Um, her energy is great. Um, Justin Tucker. Also, if you're not following him on social media, he is just like, if I can invite anyone to be my life, to just like live life with me every day and be my best friend, like it would be him. And I know him through the fitness community. He's Lululemon photography, marketing, TikTok, dancing champion of life. And he just puts so much good energy and vibes about everything all the time into the world. Um, and I love him and I love what he shares with everybody. And then um, of I've course, working him in- on the, I've got to get him on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. He is just, he's just one of those people. So incredible. Um, and obviously working in, in Charleston and the fitness and wellness community that is booming right now. Um, you're blessed by Kate Moon and Helen Hall and Naomi, you just had Naomi on the podcast and just being able to connect with these people and, you know, the like-mindedness, but just this need and desire to like share stories and good with the world, especially after the year we just had, like, that is what is so important to me and people that have really hustled to like do it small, but do it like genuine and right. Um, preaching to the choir, you and me, like I get it and I love it. Um, and I soak all of that up. I think that's awesome. And I'm so happy to have you a part of this community now and for people to be able to hear the story. And, um, even if they haven't struggled with something like this, then God knows that they have, heard of macro counting, they've heard of diet culture, body dysmorphia. And honestly, 
um, sometimes it's just good to hear a really impactful story. And whether it, you know, this will reach thousands of people that are very health conscious or aware or interested a little bit. So, uh, you know, huge, huge um, plug right here to really, if you see trends happening, you know, I think that, you know, not speaking from a ton of personal experience, but I would just want someone to come with love and compassion and not judgment and not questions or anything, just opening a conversation so that you can hold space. Like you were saying before, I think holding space for someone, but send this podcast to anyone that you think is surrounded by this type of environment. You know, if you have a kid who is in college, if you have a kid who's in a sorority, if you have a kid who's in high school, send it to them. But Kate, so, um, and I know I keep saying before I let you go, before I let you go, give us a, (laughs) give us a quick intro to what you have coming up within the next year and what you've been working on. Yes, all the things. So I am in school about to graduate in April. So I, um, in 2020, went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to do all of the health, holistic, wellness, nutrition, um, schooling, so that I could go full-time coaching world, coaching biz. Um, so I'm going to graduate in April. And then from there, I am on track to get my board certification for health and wellness coaching, which I'm super stoked for. Um, just next level education so that I can really just like start running with this thing and change the freaking world. Um, but in Charleston, you can, like Eliza said, connect with me on Instagram, Kate, not Kate. I'm doing the coaching thing, um, working with clients, doing like personalized wellness guides to like how to intuitively like get through the day-to-day and eat and work out and and balance all of those relationships um and i just launched with the art of hustle and heart which was founded by a daniel island resident badass mama katie conker um she launched that last year and brought me on as health wellness and nutrition to kind of balance out her badass motivational career leadership coaching um so i'm working with her taking clients um and again that was the art of hustle and heart so we're just we're just building lots of big things over here that's so awesome i'm so excited for you and i'm so proud of you and i just know that i hope that you know that this me inviting you on here was so because i know that Every little push you get right now is pushing you in the right direction of where you need to be, where you want to go. And I hope that this, if anything, gives you even just one more ounce of fuel to keep going and to keep telling your story. And I hope you tell more people this story. And I know this is going to hit home and really hit a lot of people. I appreciate you and I love your energy and your heart and your spirit. And I really appreciate Um, you taking this time and preparing and uh, sharing all of this with us. So you guys, I'm going to link all of Kate's information on the show notes so that if you want to find her, you will be able to easily also um, make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. I'll give a link to Kate on her bio so her followers can hear it. And um, again, if you have questions for Kate or myself, reach out, DM us at Eliza G underscore wellness and Kate, not Kate on Instagram. But other than that, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much, Kate.